We thank you, Lord. And, Father, we come together, Father, to celebrate your son, Jesus Christ, the birth came and lived and died for us that we would have eternal life. We thank you for that, Lord, such an amazing, the greatest gift ever given to mankind. And we rejoice in that, Lord, today. We celebrate that. So, Father, just speak to our hearts today as we go through the Christmas story, the Christmas gospel, Lord, that we would, this message would be fresh within our minds and hearts every single day of our lives, not just on this day. We thank you, we praise you. I decrease that you would increase myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. Everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind will be of you and not of me. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's praise him. He's worthy. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 is today's text. Again, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And the title of the message today is the Christmas Gospel. Everyone say that. I want more enthusiasm, the Christmas gospel. Now, before we dive into the text, let's read verses 1 through 7 of chapter 2 to set the stage for today's text. So follow me here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census, a census, should be taken of the entire Roman world. I want to stop there. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and two reasons why uh, two reasons for the census, to see who would be eligible for, Roman, for the Roman military and also for taxes. Let's read on, verse 3. And everyone went to his own town to register, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, say Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. The word Bethlehem, say Bethlehem, means house of bread. Say house of bread. And it was an appropriate place for the bread of life to be born. Did you guys get that? Micah, in fact, Micah prophesied this in Micah chapter 5, write it down, verse 2, 700 years before the birth of Christ. And it says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which means fruitful, and Ephrathah was a district in which Bethlehem was located, though you are, a, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come... For me, one who will be ruler over Israel. Who's that? Jesus. Whose origins, get this now, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times, which speaks of his eternality. Got that? Let's read on text, verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby the who? Baby to be born, which speaks that that baby's fully human, right? And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths. And the cloths, the, the baby wraps, prefigure his death and burial. Got it? And placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. This now brings us to today's text and four points. If you're ready, say yes. Point number one is this, the revelation. Say that, the revelation. The revelation of good news, of the gospel. Verses 8 and 9, stay with me now. And there were shepherds, say shepherds, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Verse 9, an angel 
of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Terrified. So the shepherds were minding their own business, right? <laughs> Just doing their own thing, right? When all of a sudden an angel appears, and they were what? They were terrified. They were afraid, right? No kidding, right? No kidding. And I mean, how would you react if you saw an angel? You'd freak out, right? And, and they were terrified. Now, what stands out the most in the first part of this passage is who received the visit? Who received this visit announcement from heaven? And this, the visit or the announcement of the birth of Jesus is not made to the religious elite there in Jerusalem or to the Roman emperor or to the wealthy or to the most important people in the land. The visit, the announcement of the birth of Jesus was made to a group of, of shepherds. Say shepherds. Now, we know the names of Joseph, right, and Mary, and also Jesus, but we don't know the names of these shepherds. But as we go through the text, we discover that they were important to God, right, important to God, and to the Christmas story, the Christmas gospel. Now, in those days, shepherds were considered the lowest of the low. Uh, they were on the bottom of the social ladder. They were so far down on the list of social outcasts that the only people lower were lepers. In fact, there were towns and villages, listen now, villages that would often pass laws that restricted the comings and goings of shepherds. Now in that culture, the Jews stereotypically would picture shepherds as liars and also thieves, and the shepherds were so mistrusted that their testimony was inadmissible in the court of law. The religious establishment also took very dim, a very dim view of shepherds. You see, attending sheep made the shepherds unclean under strict standards of Jewish law. And, and this meant that the shepherds couldn't attend the synagogue nor worship in the temple, and they were considered ceremonial unclean. Now, interesting enough, these shepherds were the ones who raised and supplied the lambs for the temple sacrifices. You guys with me? Now, of all people to receive God's great announcement, God chose to announce it to shepherds. Why? Because even when others look down on these shepherds, now you got to get this, even when others look down on the shepherds, on them, God looked at them through eyes of love and eyes of grace. And it was God's grace that reached out to them in their need. Now I want you to think about it. The shepherds who raised the lambs for the temple sacrifices were the first to meet the Lamb of God. You guys get that? Now I want to say this. People may look down on you and they may have written you off. But I want to tell you there is a God who loves you, who loves you. In spite of everything you've done, there's a God who desires to save you if you will only come to him. And as he looked at the shepherds with love, eyes of love and grace, he also looks at you through eyes of love and grace. Can someone say amen? Verse 10, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. So the angel's first response is to what? To calm them down. Okay? Do not be afraid. And, and here's how they calm them down. I bring you good news of great joy. Say joy. Say good news. That will be for all people. So their fear will quickly be turned to wonder and joy. He says, I bring you 
good news. And this phrase means to announce, to declare. It means to show. It's the word evangel, which, we, which is where we get the word gospel, good news, to evangelize. So, so God is ready to reveal some good news in this news of great joy. Say great joy. Follow me here. The word great there in the text is in the Greek is the word mega or megas. It has the idea of mega joy or mega, mega cheerfulness or supersized, <laughs> I like that, supersized joy, amen? Now why is this mega good news or mega joy? Why? Because God is bringing about the solution, say solution, to mankind's greatest problem, which is sin. Sin. Now notice this mega good news is not just for one group of people in one part of the world. It's for what? For who? All all people. Verse 11, today, say today, which is awesome because, listen now, today, which the timing of the incarnation was perfect. Today, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, the message of a birth of a child was not unusual. People would announce the birth of their child, but the message of this birth was different. It was, ex- it was extraordinary because this, this child was different from every other child that had been, ever uh, been born into the world. And so the angels speak to the shepherds about a baby, not just any baby, but a special baby. A baby that is, listen now, identified by three special names. And friends, the title is given to him by an angel declare his uniqueness. So I want you to notice the three triple names here. First of all, he says, a Savior. Say, Savior. Savior has been born to you. Savior. He's not, listen now, he's not called a great example, though he is. He's not called a great teacher, though he is. He's called Savior. Why? Because our greatest need is salvation. Our greatest need is is forgiveness. It's not information. It's not technology. It's not money. It's not pleasure. It's forgiveness. It's salvation. He didn't send us an educator or a scientist or an economist or an entertainer. Right? He sent us a a Savior. So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? We are sinners in need of a Savior. Yeah? We are sinners in need of a Savior. And I want to say this, friends. Jesus Christ didn't come to save us from poor self-esteem. He didn't come to save us from a bad marriage to a good marriage, though he can. He didn't come to save us from financial failure to success, though he can. He came to save us from our sins. To save us from the penalty and the power and ultimately from the presence of sin. And because we are sinners, we need a Savior. Say Savior. Notice the second name. Christ. Say Christ. Not just Savior, but Christ. He is Christ. A Savior. Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. In the Greek, that means the anointed one. In Hebrew, it's Messiah. Say Messiah. And Messiah, the word Messiah is used over 500 times in the Bible. And so he, the Messiah, he, the anointed one, he's the one who will reconcile mankind to God. And friends, he is the one to whom all the sacrifices and types in the Old Testament have pointed to. And he's the one, the Sinel, he's the one the prophets prophesied about. The anointed one had come. The Messiah had come. Say, Savior. Say, Christ. Then he says, the Lord. Say, Lord. The Lord. Again, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord. 
And this is an amazing title reserved in the Old Testament for God alone. This name portrays him as the one in control. Are you guys with me? He's a savior, but he is also sovereign. He's in control, sovereign, and he is to be served, and he is to be worshipped, and he is to be adored. And here the angel is declaring that Jesus, get this now, is Yahweh. In other words, he's God. Not just from God. He is God. He's Yahweh. And God became a man. The infinite one became an infant. Now, now the song, Silent Night, and we sang that today, at the end of the third verse, it says, Jesus, Lord, did you get that? Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. That's announcing the birth of God in human flesh. Yahweh, God in human flesh. You guys ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Jesus is to be Lord of my life. He is. Jesus is to be, listen now, Lord of my life. And as Lord, Jesus is master. He's in charge. He's supreme. And the title Lord should remind us as believers that Jesus Christ is to be, listen now, the absolute authority in our lives. He's not, to, not just to be Savior of our lives, but also Lord of our lives. So question, is he? Is he Lord of your life? Does, listen now, does he have absolute authority in your life? Does he call the shots? Hmm? Does he call the shots? Is he, listen, does he have absolute authority in every single area of your life? Because sometimes, like, you can have authority in this area, Lord, but not this one. If he is Lord, then he must have authority in every single area of your life. Amen? Verses 12 through 14, follow me now. If you're still with me, say amen. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, it's not, not wait till you meet Mary or Joseph. Okay, not wait to see the cute animals. No. Why? Because the focus is on the baby. It's on who? Jesus. Verse 13. 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising, I love this, the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now I love this because there's, there was not only an earthly announcement, but also a heavenly adoration. Amen? And that must have been an amazing, amazing sight to see. Can you imagine seeing that sight, or even amazing, to hear the sound that was going on as they sang praises. Can you imagine? And I thought about it. You know, how many angels were there? How many? I don't know. But I, I, I assume there were a lot, right? What did they look like? What did they look like? What did they sound like? Like a thousand-part harmony singing together? I don't know. You guys with me? Huh? Can you imagine hearing them singing praises in their angelic voices? It must have been mind-blowing amazing. The shepherds were probably blown away. Wow. Amen. Now let's look at the end of the verse. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Their praise led them to declare a message of peace. Someone say peace. Now I want to say this and get this. This verse is not saying peace to all people. Peace to all men. It's saying on earth, peace to men, people, on whom his favor rests. Follow me. Peace comes, this peace comes to those who personalize the message 
and accept him as personal Lord and Savior. You guys with me? It's available to all, but activated only for those who accept Jesus and who believe and receive him. He got it. He got it. Listen, and I want to say this. You, you will never have true, lasting peace until you invite the Prince of Peace into your life. Amen? Into your life. And when you do, guess what, friends? As you receive him into your life, then at that moment you have peace with God. That's peace vertically. Then you have the peace of God. That's peace internally. And then you have peace with others. That's peace horizontally. Say peace. When fear threatens to overwhelm us, when we're overwhelmed with the trials and circumstances of life, His peace calms us. His peace guards our hearts. Amen? We need His peace that surpasses all understanding. Point number two, first of all, say the revelation. Number two, say the proclamation. Write that down, the proclamation. Write that down, the proclamation of good news. This is such good news. Verse 15, stay with me now. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, love this, let's go to Bethlehem. You guys get that? It was about a mile and a half, two miles away from the, where they were. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love this. I love the shepherds didn't just stand around, staring at each other, wondering, what do we do next? Huh? No, no, no. They, they knew exactly what to do. They said, let's go. <laughs> we heard it. Let's, let's go, okay? They don't sing a song like Mary. They don't, they don't need a star, okay, in the sky. They don't even go shopping for gifts. They knew there wasn't a moment to waste because the Savior was born, and they were determined to find him. Amen? And they came with great speed, urgency, and expectation. Uh, they were not about to ignore, friends, such an amazing good news. So they headed out to Bethlehem. Verse 16. So they hurried off. They what? Come on, just they hurried off and found, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I love the way that the shepherds responded to the message. Now, they could have rejected it. They could have debated it. They could have doubted it. Instead, they came with urgency, with haste to the place where Jesus was. And I love their passion. I love their sense of urgency. And you see how they responded to that message altered the course of their lives and their eternity. And coming to Bethlehem, they saw exactly what they were told. They saw with their own eyes the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. God was true to his word. Amen. And by the way, the manger, say the manger. The manger was a feeding trough. It was a feeding trough. The manger was a feeding trough. So why was Jesus born in a manger, in a feeding trough, and not in a palace? Well, the immediate reason is that the shepherds might find him. The eternal reason that sinners might be able to identify with him and approach him for salvation. Amen? Verses 17 through 18. When they had seen him, they what? They spread the word concerning what had been told 
them about this child. And all who heard it were what? Amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So seeing, seeing, they start speaking, start telling, start witnessing, start evangelizing. And they become the first human evangelists of the good news of Christmas. Now, now listen. The shepherds were not only the first to hear, but also the first to tell. And I guess they were told to what? Go tell it on a mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? And you guys got to sing with me. Come on. Wake up. Okay? So I want you to think about it. Think about it. God took these rough, coarse shepherds and sent them out. They sent them out with the message of salvation. And as the first evangelists of the New Testament era, friends, they didn't emphasize what it was like to see an angel or, or, or to hear the angelic choir, nor did they dwell on how frightened they were. Their main interest was in this and now reporting that which was told them concerning this child. And on the way back to their flocks, they told everyone, okay, they told everyone they met, okay, they told everyone they met about this baby that had changed their lives and about the message the angel had given to them. And they, this is how they couldn't keep themselves from sharing the good news with everyone they came into contact with. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Share the gospel. Share the gospel. When you and I meet Jesus for ourselves, listen now, we want to tell others, right, to be him too. Right? Okay. Now, we don't keep it to ourselves. We want to tell someone about Jesus, right? And there should be a desire birthed in us to see our friends and our family and our acquaintances brought to faith in Jesus. So you've got to tell somebody. If you're born again, if you experience this salvation in Christ, then you've got to tell somebody. You can't keep it to yourself. Amen? Look at verse 19. This is, this is amazing. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her what? Heart. What this verse describes is Mary's reaction to the shepherd's testimony about the birth of Jesus. And she kept all these things in her heart and pondered on them. And there was an ongoing contemplation and reflection. And this means that she protected, remembered, preserved, and observed all the events and words that were related to her son's birth. She also weighed and compared them with what she already knew and also experienced in order to understand more about the nature and the mission of her son, Jesus. Say the revelation. Say the proclamation. Number three is the celebration. Say the celebration. The celebration of good news. Look at verse 20 with me. The shepherds returned. What were they doing? Look at your Bible. Glorifying in what? Praising who? For all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they what? Had been told. So when the shepherds understood the magnitude of this encounter, they were moved to offer praise and worship to God. They rejoiced and they celebrated. 
And you see, meeting Jesus fills the soul with his praise and with his glory. Okay? They now had a new song in their heart. And good news, they had to share with others. Keep quiet, no way. Keep quiet, no way, no way. Not a chance. What did they do? Huh? They glorified and they praised God. They glorified and they praised God. They returned to their fields. They returned to their calling, to their assignment, being shepherds, right? To the ordinary activities of life, but their lives will never be the same. Amen? And they continually glorified God, glorified God. They constantly praised His name. So you ready for the lesson? Here's a lesson. Glorify and praise God. Simple. Glorify and praise God. If you're safe, say amen. Our encounter with Jesus should move us to celebrate, should move us to rejoicing and to glorify God and to praise his name. Amen? Praise, celebration, and rejoicing should exude out of our lives if we're saved. Only one person got it up there, amen? Okay, okay, all right. Praise, rejoicing, and glorifying should exude out of our lives because we've been saved. Praise God for he is good. Praise God for his son. Praise God for salvation. Praise God for grace. Praise God for the cross. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. Praise God for his son's going to return one day. Praise God for his word. Amen. Celebrate, glorify, praise him. Say the revelation. Say the proclamation. Say the celebration. Number four, here we go, the invitation. The invitation. Write that down, and we're going to go back to verse 11a. Let's go back to verse 11a. A Savior has been born to you. To who? To you, to me, right? The Christmas gospel, the message from heaven is that God is interested in the individual. He cares about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he cares about you. Huh? When Jesus came into the world, he came as a Savior of the world, right? Of the world. But he also came to be your Savior. Your Savior. You see, it's personal. And he came for you. He came for me. And that being said, Christmas must become, Christmas must become a personal confession in order for it to make a difference in your life. Follow me. It's not enough to say that you believe Jesus came. It's not enough to say that Jesus came for someone else. Listen, you can never be saved until you say, Jesus came for me. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose from the dead for me. Therefore, I repent of my sins. I receive him, and I trust him to be my personal Lord and Savior. Amen? Back to verse 7. Let's go back to verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the... Ready for the lesson? Open your heart. Open your heart. Say that. You see, many will celebrate, celebrate excuse me, Christmas, celebrate the birth of Jesus, and yet they will ignore and reject Jesus. And very few have room in their hearts for Jesus. 
Question, is there room in your heart? Is there room in your life for Jesus? Will you make room in your heart, in your life for him? You see, and we're going we're to end with this. Jesus, who was born into this world, must also be born into your heart. Amen? That's the gospel. Let's all stand. Amen? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you.